as part of researching for this even i did chat gpt okay and i gave a really cool big prompt i'm so I'm so proud of myself about the big size of the prompt that i gave and chat gpt said okay you should start your trip with chennai because that's where the novel opens i'm like hey they, oh, they didn't wow. call it bandia devan but they said the novel opens and like chennai was never featured there so then i i again started giving them better prompt but it still didn't pick up that the first spot is anywhere near viranam or anything close to that so then i i, I absolutely give it up that's chat gpt you really need to know the answer also just to show if the structure of the answer is correct or not In this case, you might as well not research only, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just oh, wanted you're to. You're wrong. <laughs> I wanted to. So the, and then I gave a prompt saying that uh, the book does not open in Chennai. Can you please retry? Oh, I am sorry. <laughs> and then again. <laughs> <laughs> so aren't we all using ChatGPT these days for our assignments, our projects, our Instagram posts? But it looks like it clearly doesn't give the right travel plans. <laughs> so maybe you can only trust misadventures of a sneaker when it comes to the perfect travel plan. Yes, that's us guys. All travel recommendations plus musti wala travel bakar everything here. So hi, welcome to another episode of Misadventures of a Sneaker, a travel podcast where we listen to much more well-researched itinerary, not the chat GPT kinds. <laughs> and of course like we said musti bakar and lots more. I am Revathi and with me we have my favorite co-host Godly. Hello there. So a few months back I was watching a movie for name Selvan and I was blown away by the way the palace looked there. It's not like the first time I've seen a palace but uh, I am very very curious to know how it actually looked like back then or how it looks right now and all of that. So Revathi you are like such a traveler so how many palaces have you seen that look so majestic where you felt like oh i totally want to live there oh my god like a queen and all that <laughs> so of course the the rajasthan ones are all like all of them are my favorite ones of so the one okay. in bikaner jaipur udaipur all of them i love the mysore palace because i mean during the day is okay but at night when they put the lights on mm. to just pagal ho jaoge to ekdam pagal ho jaoge yeah <laughs> it's very beautiful so mysore palace yes you know, there are other ones that were really impressive so you have like the, the falaknama palace in um, hyderabad and you know many of these palaces that you are saying have actually been converted into a hotel so for example like the falaknama in hyderabad is now a taj falaknama so we actually can go and live in these palaces of course we have to afford it which is uh, very good expire kidney dena hoga but actually we can go and experience living in one of these majestic palaces but yes i love the one in podian selvan as well it looks like so dream like and i really wish that those palaces were still around uh, in good condition and we could go and actually visit them what about you godly any of your favorite palaces that you've been to so other than the rajasthan ones right of course every time we hear palaces i think the first word that comes to our mind is definitely rajasthan i think yeah. almost So other than that I remember this palace called Koch Bihar Palace it's in West Bengal and interestingly it's the inspiration behind this palace is the Buckingham Palace Ooh <laughs> yeah like I would have wow. never thought in my dreams Yeah like, was this kind of made in the British India days Yeah probably yes it was built uh, during the British era I believe but yeah I, I don't know it was very beautiful and it from every single room the view was just really really 
you know i love these uh, stories that india has such historical stories behind every fort every palace um I, it's really enchanting to see because every every single story is so unique and talking about unique and enchanting tales today we are doing this amazingly unique trail which has been made even more popular by the ponin selvan books and the mega blockbuster movie ponin selvan series and this is also the first time that we have two guests on our show george and sangeeta who have done this trail you who guys so today's conversation let's start off with you george so for our listeners george is a really good friend and you know our kind of traveling style matches a lot so so i have done a lot of my tripping along with george in several of the years that both of us have known each other so george has formerly worked in the travel industry for several years so personally for me besides being great company george also does a lot of interesting research before he comes on any trip you know some offbeat kind of tidbits he finds out uh, is gali mein ye best milta hai wahan ka pani puri best milta hai that particular temple has that kind of history and things like that so it's always great fun traveling with him masti bhi ho jata hai and all r&d bhi aise mil jata hai so i'm very excited to have you in our conversation today george so hi thanks revati thanks for inviting me uh, to contextualize and then give give you an introduction of myself uh, my name is george i love traveling i have been traveling for pretty much uh, the last 15 20 years in different parts of india different parts of the country the world and this one this podcast we would be discussing a lot around Ponian Selvan the Chola period and the different temples that they have built and and some of the towns that they have ruled uh, and this trip my wife and I did from Bangalore all the way down to Madurai covering a bunch of towns in between and then and then drive back um yeah that's, that's pretty much it <laughs> wow this road trip must have been one hell of a trip right it's really nice seeing you today george i have heard so much about you also we have with us is sangeeta a very dear friend of mine we hang out pretty often in chennai sangeeta is someone who's a bookworm and she's also one of my favorite artists and she's someone that we can talk about anything starting from movies from series to history name it and maybe i already have had a conversation with her about it so today she's going to share her experience of doing the ponin selvan trip basically going around all the temples from that period in southern india actually she has been doing it ever since she was a child so <laughs> hi there sangeeta hi godly hi reeti i really look forward to this chat so i've loved watching the ponin selvan movies but i was wondering sangeeta since you are a bookworm did you read the ponin selvan books as a child or was it a recent read um i must first admit that uh, when i grew up i grew up mostly on a diet of enid blyton uh, books and nancy <laughs> drew and hardy boys i uh, am embarrassed to say that i never read any books in my own mother tongue in tamil until i was much much older although i remember that every time i would appreciate darcy in pride and prejudice you know i would go all buha and haha about it my mother was always gaga about this character called vandiya devan in ponin selvan she had spoken about it many times in my childhood so much much later just out of you know sheer intrigue and my tamil reading fluency was never so great 
admittedly i can read the book but i still preferred uh, reading the entire ponian selvan series through an audio book um and if someone wants a good audio book and not a narrative of the audio book uh, i'd love to leave the link to the audio book that i used to listen to the entire ponian selvan series uh, she has read it around a lady called deepika arun who has read it aloud and she's done a brilliant job and that's what introduced me to this story wow um and unlike george i wasn't that curious to do an entire ponian selvan tour but having been raised in tamil nadu i think out of serendipity and out of sheer childhood torture we were taken to many temples across tamil nadu many of which are still remnants of the sora era and now out of all this parampara your kids are experiencing this entire experience of going around the chora set of temples is it same so, same uh, love and affection yeah same <laughs> love and affection but it, 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 but i also add audio books uh, i make them do some some amount of research in i mean as we record in 2023 for the next travel uh, destinations my children are doing their research using chat gpt i don't know how authentic it is going to turn out to be but that is a current story <laughs> so <laughs> as as a, as a part of as part of researching for this even i did chat gpt okay so i and i gave and i gave a really cool big prompt i'm so I'm so proud of myself about the big size of the prompt that i gave and chat gpt said okay you should start your trip with chennai because that's where the novel opens i'm like hey that's where the the novel opens like that's where they, oh, they didn't wow. call it bandhya devan but they said the novel opens and like chennai didn't chennai was never featured there so then i i again started giving them better prompts but it still didn't pick up that the first spot is anywhere near viranam or anything close to that so then i i, I absolutely give it up that's chat gpt you really need to know the answer also just to show if the structure of the answer is correct or not in which case you might as well not research only right <laughs> <laughs> yeah through chat gpt maybe if i had asked questions like where do i eat or uh, what are the four things in tanjavur then it gives gives me a better idea but i think it didn't it wasn't able to connect it back to the punyan selvan or vandya devan's root as an answer so probably that's where it, it missed that link well, that's bad because the book is there is translated in english as well so it should have picked up something Yeah, I, I don't think it's available for free, right? ChatGPT has to be trained. Probably. Very nice. But, But I uh, think George, what ChatGPT was really thinking about when it gave you the answer was which airport to land and begin your trip. Even then, Trichy, no, yeah. Why would they go Chennai? <laughs> yeah. And even though I'm asking you to re- regenerate, I did it in three times. I just no, wanted you're to wrong. <laughs> I wanted to say, so, the, and then I gave a prompt saying that uh, the book does not open in Chennai. Can you please retry? Oh, I am sorry. <laughs> and then again. <laughs> I should I should send you guys the the script so you can you can yeah, paste yeah. it somewhere. I know seriously you should okay take a screenshot or something and send it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So George, you know many of our listeners who be listening to our podcast don't really know you that well, and uh, you know what we thought is there are different ways how they can get to know uh, the person whom they are going to be listening to in the next you know an hour or so of the podcast. So what really is the George USP? Uh, let me see if i'll find something new about you as well when you introduce yourself <laughs> <laughs> very interesting question so let me take a second so i like i like food uh, and i like to experiment with food different kinds of food so uh, this goes with the restaurants within the city that i'm living or when i'm traveling and even if it's a local dhaba or or a good you know named restaurant within that city i would like to experiment what's the local food what's the local culture i love coffee and i love love to try different kinds of coffee i i make coffee at home I'm happy to 
uh, offer coffee to people who come home and explain to them the various different aspects within coffee and not just you know nescafe and brew that most indians drink and another thing that i really like is different kinds of beer so that is another thing that i uh, i look for when i go either visiting different pubs in the city or uh, or when I, when i travel so uh, you know in our friend circle most of our retirement plans are based on george's uh, coffee shop we are all associating ourselves with different different roles that we'll do in your cafe so i am the front desk uh, my husband said he's going to be the librarian uh, george's wife cooks really well like really really well so she'll be taking care of the you know the cafe part of making all the exciting food so you know the, all, it's, all are it's nice to have a lot of pipe dreams but let's see if this one comes true yeah i really I, do i really <laughs> a cute quaint cafe somewhere on the hill sounds interesting no but uh, <laughs> this is a quaint have like some 20 visitors a day we just yeah <laughs> we should do this i'm very excited so sangeeta ditto ditto question for you as well i know you pretty well but i'm sure other people don't and i have received a lot of book recommendations from you so maybe you can share with everyone else as well some books which are like really really close to you and has always stayed with you well if you have to talk about books that have always stayed with me um it's jane austen i'm a huge die hard fan of jane austen <laughs> and i think i started reading it when i was in middle school and to this day uh, i will have a jane austen book on me wherever i go apart from that two of my favorite books one is uh, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy it's one of my absolute all time favorites the other would be uh, tolkien's um, lord of the rings but i'm a huge fan of uh, chronicles of narnia also i i've enjoyed reading multiple genres and i continue to enjoy reading i i have daughters who are tweens and i enjoy reading all the books that they read also i think i have found some best jane austen books at your place and i love them and the habit of reading children's book is something that i learned from you because you used to give me you know your children's books and i think i really started enjoying it from then no but um, also we, we should all be envious of the children who live in today's day and age they have the choice the breadth and variety of choice of books that they have in especially in the genre of fantasy it's incredible none of us grew up with that kind of breadth So yeah, today's day and age kids, I am envious of my kids. <laughs> I agree. Fun to set of books you have mentioned, uh, Sangeeta. Awesome ones. Like in Mera, if you're talking of kids uh, books, now my favorite is always Calvin and Hobbes. The cutest but most intelligent kind of humor I feel in in those books. I love them. Hmm. Now talking from books and movies and all, we are moving into our Pony and Selwyn conversation. This podcast is really special uh, for both Godly and me, um, and I'll tell you why, guys. Because when we were thinking of bringing up this episode, I remember that George has been on this entire tour with his wife Arti several years back, even before the movies even came around. The book was really popular then, but it wasn't really something that everyone knew about. So it was very special when he came and told us the stories of the entire uh, Pony and Selwyn trail that he went on. And when I was discussing this whole thing with Godly. Godly mentioned that Sangeeta has read the entire series written by Kalki. Kalki is the author, Kalki Krishnamurthy, who wrote the entire Pony and Selwyn uh, series. And uh, not just that, uh, Godly actually mentioned that Sangeeta has been on this entire 
not really trail at one time, but the entire uh, set of temples as a child and now taking her children there as well. So she's a pro there too. Hena, Godly? Right, right. <laughs> I agree. So this episode is going to be slightly different from the episodes that we did before. We'll be talking a lot about connection with the blockbuster movie, history of the Chola period, and a lot of beautiful architecture. Uh, and uh, listeners, by the way, just letting you know, some of us will be saying Chola because we can't do the Sora pronunciation <laughs> properly. <laughs> so you will hear Chola sometimes and Sora sometimes. Don't wake here, so don't worry about So let me start off with you, George. As we start uh, having this discussion on the entire Pony and Selwyn tour that you went on, first tell me, how did you guys even think about going on this particular tour, making this particular itinerary and all of that? Or how much of the history did you already know about or did you do pura R&D and then go for your entire Pony Trail? Tell us something about all of that. So I'll put it into two parts. You asked two different questions. So I'll I'll answer them separately. So for the history part, I was very curious about it. And I, I am still curious about different parts of India, especially South India, because it does not get a lot of coverage in, in the rest of the country, rest of the world. For Specifically for this trip, that full credit goes to my wife. She is a hardcore uh, Kalki follower. She She's read books from him uh, much before the movie, much before this and much before the podcast that we've, we've all heard after that. So she's the one who read it. She read it in English. And I think the last one or the last two are not there in English. So she struggled and read, read it with Tamil, though that's not her uh, second language also. Yeah. And then she put together the certain districts that we need to cover or certain temples that we need to cover and so on. And back then I was working with a travel company. So it was easier for me to find other, other stuff allied to it. So, you know, places to eat, places to visit and all the other things that follow this trail, if you could say. Though we we moved a lot away from Pony and Selwyn per se, it was more around the exploration of the different Tamil kingdoms back then, as against the, the route that Vandya Devan or Pony and Selwyn followed throughout. So there will be a lot of differences when I talk versus what probably Sangeeta speaks, because I didn't actually cover, I didn't go to Nagapatnam and so on. So there will be a lot of differences, but we, we, we will see how, how the narration flows. George, just to set everybody's heart at rest, neither did I follow the exact route of one day from beginning to end. Although admittedly, I must uh, mention this, that very recently when I was going back and reading the book five of Pony and Selwyn, only then I did realize that the opening shot of the book is with uh, Pony and Selwyn riding his horse and coming along that Viranam Lake, right? Yeah. The closing shot is also exactly the same place. On the same lake. Yeah, exactly. Just leaving. So, so I, I did that. So I went to the Viranam Lake and it was beautiful. Uh, I think back then it would have been much different. Um, uh, if you if you look at the origins, probably he went around the month of September. Uh, no, August. Adi Masam, I think is that, that's what the reference is. The Adi is July and August. July and August. Yeah. Okay. But I went in December. Okay. So um, yeah. And they say that's the time for harvest back then. But I think now it, I think it's shifting because of whatever reasons. So when I went, I saw Viranam Lake full and I saw a lot of paddy fields and everything else ripe to be harvested. So I, I saw the greener part of TN, which if you go in other times, probably you'll see only brown part of the TN. So that was, I was lucky. So Viranam I covered. Down that, I, I didn't go beyond Madurai, for example. So that my thing cut off at, at Madurai and then we drove back to Bangalore. So that's, yeah, that's, that's where it was. Wonderful. So this whole trip, so which places did you cover? 
and uh, how did you plan your itinerary to so, keep we have to go here we have to go there we have to go there and all of those things question to me or sangeeta question uh, only all these questions are only for you george because you are the one who actually done the bonin selvan trip got it okay so planning for the trip was how do i put this so my wife arti she knew the major spots that we had to cover so then it is is the regular planning that we do we open the google maps we draw the chart out figure out uh, what are the nicer place to say so for example when i said i i visited viranam lake george one second is it i mean i don't know if i mispronounced it i think the in the book he says viran arayaneri correct but i think now it is called viranam i wanted to be sure huh? yes it Can is now called viranam that? lake just for our listeners to uh, understand in the book kalki refers to the lake that george is talking about as the viran arayaneri i think in modern day times we call it just the viran ஒரு <laughs> you know stay for the night which was basically a farmhouse uh, kind of a setting where we just stayed for the night we drove down saw the lake sat by the lake during sunset it was really beautiful and then we went to this place this place had like i think it's still called pump set in english i don't know if you guys have seen it so this is uh, basically from the well you pump out water and the water is used for irrigation of our home purposes so it's that kind of a setting it's like really rural kind of a setting and we just stayed one night over there but our trip started in kanchipuram we wanted to avoid the chennai and mahabs part of it though it would have been part of the same tour but we've done it multiple times before so we started with kanchipuram we saw the old pallava related architecture there and then we moved south towards right up to madurai where after covering all the cholas we went to where the pandya uh, stories are there and then yeah and madurai is also the highlight of the food tour of this region so yeah that's 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 how the planning happened so we just went geographically starting from bangalore right to the south till we can cover uh, and then we drove back home um so all these places that you drove by how many of these were in like complete ruins or were they very well maintained like uh, can tourists go and see them or is it something like harappan civilization or something absolute ruins Okay, let me go sequentially. So, Kanchipuram mm-hmm. had uh, a very good UNESCO-covered temple. I think it is called uh, the Kailasnatha Temple, which is also where the um, where Raja Raja Chola found his inspiration to build the Periyakovil or the Bhadishwara Temple uh, later on. Uh, that is UNESCO-protected. It is very nicely done and all, all that. And there are there are a few other temples of of interest which are living temples. When I say living temples, it means prayers happen there daily. so even though it may be under uh, unesco or any architectural protection asi protection but they are also uh, where prayers are happening so you will find both these kind of things in battle somewhere the prayers have stopped is just a, a a tourist structure versus where there is where there are things happening today um it is pretty much well pro- protected but if you do the true punian selvan trail which is you have bunch of those tours now online a lot of those things like the like the palaces that they refer to are completely ruins now because uh, yeah multiple invasions have happened over the period of time everyone looted everything so you would only see ruins you would see you would see um, you know this is where kadambur palace was 
right? Mm-hmm. So that's all. That's all. Need the reference, and you'll hear a lot of stories there. But at this point, you'll only see bricks there. It's not. It won't even look like a palace, for for example. I didn't go that side. I pretty much restricted my tour towards all the temples. We spend a lot of time, like two two hours or three three hours for each of those temples, going around, going under the inner sanctum. and so on so that's what it is um the madurai temple is is a living temple obviously and it's beautifully maintained so yeah so that's a little bit about um, how the how it looks what i re- recall when you were speaking about the structures that are in ruins versus the ones that are still in a good condition so everything that is still in a reasonably good condition and well maintained is a temple so palaces or places of stay have lost their relevance so for example the kailashnath temple in uh, kanchipuram predates the sora uh, rule yeah. it mm-hmm. was built by the pallavas so it i think it's around 700 ad or so or eight, maybe it's 8th century wow that's really an amazing fact because considering today's construction doesn't even last a few years and here we see temples which are like more than 1000 2000 years old and still standing strong like i don't know what they what kind of sorcery was it back then but i'm just wondering like other than temples is there anything else that we can explore in tanjavur so while you're visiting uh, tanjavur is one more place that you could potentially consider visiting as a remnant of the sora era uh, it's a dam that was built about 2000 years ago by a king called aditya karihalan Although the name Aditya Kariharlan um, is the same as one of the characters who features in the Ponin Selvan novel, we are, these are not the same kings. Uh, they are about nine hundred years apart. The uh, Kallanai Dam that I'm talking about was built, I think, in the in one fifty A.D. This was a period during which a, a Sora dynasty did rule Tamil Nadu. They are, I think, they are called the early Soras or some such name. uh the soras we we generally refer to rajaraja soran and his son rajendra soran they are called i think the later soras but still because you are all you know you're traveling all the way there to tanjavur and if you do have some time the kallanai dam which was built by the aditya kariharlan uh, in 150 ad is the world's fourth oldest dam and it is still functional to this day as a dam it's definitely an engineering marvel I remember taking my children there, and they were like, "I've seen so many hydro power stations. This one looks like the what are you talking about as a grand marvel?" And then it was hard to explain to them that imagine two thousand years old when engineering was not what it is today. There was no, there were no machines and equipments, and imagine moving such a huge boulder across a river, you know, yeah. against the current of a river to take it and leave it there. What, what did people use then? so you know it, a lot of it is imagination for us so yeah so to save our face we also drove right up to what is today called the uh, mukombu dam which was built uh, it's called the uh, upper anaikot dam i think which was built in the british era the advantage of taking any child there is that there's a big park with lots of swings so they'll forget that their parents took them on <laughs> to see an engineering marvel but as a remnant of the sora era the kallanai dam to this day stands the test of time in india it is the oldest dam and it is still a functional dam so it's a nice idea to take your family there or you take your own self there to see these things so see uh, if you if you see kaveri starts somewhere in karnataka today's hmm. karnataka and then flows all the way down 
through Trichy and down, right? So Bangalore forever had great rains and good weather. So you have good good rains. So water was always there in Kaveri, and that pretty much got reason why the area around Trichy, Tanjore had fertile lands all along, because the water used to come current. continuously flow now there is water sharing problem so on and so forth so that that area is pretty much dried out you have to look at for other sources of water tamil nadu does not get continuous rain but uh, because of this kaveri is it was always there. so that's the whole connect why he also built that dam why that water was required when the water does not come from from northern part of the region back then and so on so that's that's the flow of flow of water flow of story of the reasoning why the dam was built oh how cool wonderful okay so george tell us so now uh, what were your absolute highlights like if you had to think of one super highlight from where you would want to start our story about your entire trip and all that what would be your wow moment so two wow moments though i have i had read a lot about cholas then this think of it as like 5 6 years ago okay before the movie so we don't know anything about chola or we know it from our history books Uh, I had a fair idea of who they were, what they have done, and I've heard a lot about the Brahmadeshwara Temple Koil, okay, or Periyar Koil as they call it in Tamil. But when you see that for the first time, no, I I guarantee you that you will be amazed at the structure and the size of it. I had the same feeling when I mean I saw some of the churches in Rome, or you know when you go outside India, like like the mosques in Turkey, you would see that that huge structure, marvelous one, like and like how Samita mentioned that. back then there were no engineers or we wouldn't call them engineers today because you know they they have learned their artwork by hand or by imagination and with that with such um, intricately created humongous structures which stood the test of time here we are saying we should demolish an apartment in 40 years because you know it is, does not does not does not pass safety and you have a temple which is 2000 years old so yeah those those two so one is the the periyakovil there and the second one is the um the madurai meenakshi temple that I, that madurai meenakshi is like my favorite temple across india so far i don't think another one stands as challenge uh, it's just too beautiful very colorful uh, and and the way the whole temple architecture is laid inside out is is brilliant those yeah. are the two uh yeah those are the two two of my highlights in terms of what i saw definitely starting with the pedia kovil i have like seen photos and videos and i am also oh my god i am waiting for this winters i have to go once and see this place and come the descriptions are just beautiful to see that you know the whole thing like you said engineering of those times and how they managed to actually create this huge structure it's phenomenal so tell us about it think of it that the the topmost part of it the gopuram part of it is carved of a single piece of stone right so they had to create a ramp to carry this piece of granite right on top of it top of the gopuram and this ramp according to historians is about 6 kilometers long mm. so that it, it comes all the way on to the top and the single stone which is there right on top right now is about 80 or tons and they had to take elephants to carry this stone all the way to on all the way to the top so imagine the, the weight of the elephants as well how did they build the ramp how did it how did they manage to build all that out and another interesting aspect is that they they use granite for this right so granite was not is not available in about 60 or kilometers radius uh, from where the temple is currently standing so uh, a ramp of 6 6 or kilometers was built to bring this on top and then all the masonry work happened on top another interesting aspect is that there were no gelling materials or cement or anything used for this 
they they use some sort of an interlocking grid interlocking structure to get this stone in place and it is done so well that you know it has survived around six different earthquakes over this period of time a bridge built in uh, in india this day does not last last even a decade and here is something that is last thousands of years so all in all an amazing 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 architecture that one should see yeah yeah very true so i mean i've seen pictures which show that if you when you, when you enter the temple and you look up it's completely hollow so the grid yeah. interlocking like the jigsaw puzzle thing you can actually make out when you see when you go inside and look up all the way up like to the, to the yeah. towards the gopuram yeah it's very gorgeous and and uh, an- another thing uh, which you can see is uh, just because you said when you're looking from inside i remember this the think of this as think of it like something like a sort of a pyramid structure so the shadow of the temple does not fall too much on the grounds it's always in a very small radius because it is struck created in such a way that the shadow does not fall away from the temple itself i don't know if that has a significance or not but yeah that's another interesting aspect to to the temple very magical very magical yeah it's just another marvel the back again this is all my story is and i keep saying back then back then but back then when i went there it wasn't crowded and which is another thing that you know there's such an amazing temple it should ideally have tourists around the year at least it should have tourists in the winter months that's when i went okay. right but you only have locals coming there so locals are coming there sitting on the grounds outside the temple having a picnic having their own meal having a good time and then they going back maybe they visit the temple maybe not but they do that and then go home but you don't see a lot of tourists there which i liked it but unfortunate it's an unfortunate part of it right like it's such a amazing stuff that's out there but it doesn't have the publicity it requires i won't name names but there are enough temples that i've seen in the northern part of india or other parts of india which are crowded max and uh, and people throng there and here is something which is such an architectural marvel but nobody knows about it or even if they know they don't give enough recognition that it deserves yeah i hope the movie takes uh, makes it makes it a, a difference because there is now so many tours i was i mean when i started reading about it i just generally put ponian selvan tours so many of them popped yeah. up i saw uh, like uh, a group of moms and dads doing a religious tour of all the ponian selvan temples and all of that so, but whatever at least that has there has been started. something yeah, yeah. yeah. at so least it, it has started i think it recently got covered in contentest as well so it it is starting to see a lot more visibility also because southern india is not on the global tourist map anyone coming to india they don't come to south india and even if they come to south india it's kerala and not the other parts of the True. uh south india so it it's very difficult for someone to come all the way to chennai and then start doing this tour so i understand why it does not have that much of popularity but i hope it changes soon so i have a resident of tamil nadu i may also add that there is a very narrow window in which people find the temperature <laughs> hospitable in which they can have a little journey <laughs> through the temple and come back so uh, that also adds to this <laughs> which is true and and in that window people would prefer to do the the, the forts and palaces of rajasthan and then check out uh, taj mahal because again you can't do taj mahal in the month of may so you do all that then they don't have the time to come all the way down so they would rather cover a couple of other interesting things in that area so i understand where it comes from but i really hope it changes you know speaking of this engineering marvel i just thought i'll also add one trivia so the nandi right in front of the gods uh, the garbhagraha is the second largest stone statue in india i've heard that this nandi statue is also a monolith like it's carved out of a single stone is that true sangeeta i don't know if it is carved out of a single stone perhaps it is it is yeah. uh, it's immensely huge huge yeah 
the first time i went to periyakovil i was a child i've made about more than 10 trips so far i think to periyakovil at um, i have photographs of my children from the time they were crawling until the time they were very recently giving a guided tour to some of their friends who also came with us so i have photographs of all of us but i remember nandi my kids have run around and round and round and nandi and played hide and seek and running and catching it is immensely huge huge yeah, true that it's a very big statue and it's a beautiful it's a i marvel. think the largest is lepakshi though i may be wrong I, i don't know if it's the largest or largest monolithic one of those two is is the one in lepakshi once upon a time i had this idea of having a bull temple run so you have basically both the brahadeshwara temple have a decently sized nandi then you have in lepakshi you have in uh, bangalore bull temple you have in hampi you have a bunch of these humongous nandi i think it's 7 or 8 if i, I really don't recall the number that's that's the number of good large nandis that you have in in southern india yeah oh very interesting should check it out if you if if you haven't gone to the bangalore one you should go oh yeah i've been to the bangalore one i've been to the bangalore one and the hampi one as well it's really beautiful so the nandi in periyakovel is not the nandi built by uh, rajaraja sodan you know have you read, read about that oh the main nandi that we are talking about now right it's not built by rajaraja sora this is the one that was later on built by the nayakas however the nandi that rajaraja sora built for the temple there's a small one which is on a side corridor over there itself this main one was not built by him but built by the nayakas uh, later the nandi and the huge mandapam both so there are so many stories around this whole periyakovel or brihadeshwara and all that you know the first name that was given to the temple the one that the king himself gave it was Raja, called rajaraja rajaraja kovel rajaraja temple <laughs> very close rajarajeshwara kovel it's called rajarajeshwaram yeah and then then moved to periyakovel and then the brihadeshwara came much later because it's like the great the great ishwar yeah uh, brihadeshwar the marathas kept that name oh mm. so three rounds of names but still people are very senty about it being called periyakovel and all of that uh, tanjavur periyakovel is the local local name yeah so then what else was wow in the periyakovel i'll go the other side the inner sanctum and then right inside was all okay uh, probably also because immediately after that i saw the madurai one and that just blew me away but uh, outside the artwork was really nice uh, one other thing which i didn't connect was we briefly touched upon that the, the kailasnatha temple was uh, the inspiration for this yeah the, the kailasnatha temple itself was one of the first proper dravidian architecture temple basically so or how they put it nicely i think it's called first constructed temple or or something like that what they mean is that prior to that it was mostly you know caves and wood mm-hmm. structure so this is the first time where they actually built a temple on on kind of a flat land and then made it as a temple so this was the one of the first one and then from there is this one's inspiration so you can imagine temples prior to that would have been much more simplistic like you know having an idol inside a cave kind of a Mm-mm-mm. scenario or you know a within a forest or whatever that is so yeah so that's the connect part of it did you notice the bharatnatyam postures inside and the lots of paintings which but those paintings were done later i think the marathas and all of the nayaks and marathas and all of that they did those paintings inside stories say that they had lot more which were looted or moved away and, and, and mm. so on 
but whatever is remaining shows their imagination of the gods and goddesses back then and their love for god gods and gods goddesses back then and there is also another story where they say that this temple uh, is large enough to hold the nearby cities and so when an attack comes this is, it becomes kind of a fort kind of a structure where everybody comes here and then you can you really can help them out until the siege is over and so on again i i, I don't know because the, i'm unable to verify sources for this but yeah that's another part of why these guys built temples the street says these guys spent uh, cholas together across i think 4 5 centuries built over 2000 temples back then so that's that's their love for for their gods and their return for gods for all the wars that they win my god 2000 temples but then i like you said they are the temples also maybe probably yeah, it's, it's multi multi purpose well. yeah. since you mentioned about these art forms and sculptures right there's a very famous uh, tamilian bharatanatyam dancer called padma subramaniam so she uh, she was not only a great famous dancer she was also a famous researcher so she when she was researching about all the different uh, how these emotions and gestures were represented in our puranas she is supposed to have used the architecture of the periyakovil as the basis for one of her i think she used three major temples and the periyakovil is one of them as her basis for her research so which is also partly because it is one temple where all most of the structures and if you see the art forms and the statues they are all reasonably intact oh yes i have seen it in pictures and videos there are like several depictions of the bharatanatyam dance on the pillars of the temples just for academic curiosity uh, the other two temples that padma subramaniam did refer to were the chidambaram temple the nataraja temple in chidambaram which is of course extremely famous for the incredibly beautiful deity there and the other the third is the sarangapani temple in kumbakonam Okay, so well, then you know, just also I don't know when you last went. You said you went five years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, I went in two thousand twenty-two January last, and uh, of course there's this giant board uh, with the tractor which has a description of the history and when it was built and how it was built and all of that. And uh, I when I went last, my kids by then had understood. how to download an audio tour on an android phone and they were listening to some local tour uh, which is available for free and i don't know what yeah. they used but i think it sort of gives people a sense of i mean if you are a tourist who yeah. are un- and if you are unfamiliar with the south indian history there are enough and more audio tours today available for free that you can download uh, and it these were pretty short because my kids finished the whole round in some 15 20 minutes oh got it or so maybe I, they just put it on some 2x speed they <laughs> quickly ran around and came i can't say for sure <laughs> ideally how long does it take for, for I mean, not uh, not for like not if you're a historian but for a tourist and you want to see the major things and you want to uh, you know just understand the overall story and all that if you want to go through oh. the entire periyakovil this is the periyakovil this is a very tough question uh like mota mota so no, i i have a very simple answer to that what time of the day and which month of the year <laughs> best case scenario i am winter <laughs> that's what I'm, i'm telling you know so if you just want to see maybe like 15 20 minutes like she said half an hour to an hour is like great if you're a tourist and if you have other things to do but there are people like i told you who come 
put their blankets mm. and chill and then go so it it's like like yeah it depends on how much time you have and what you want to do before and post that 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 kind of uh, dictates right now but spending 30 30 to 60 minutes is fair i guess it's fair oh i thought you'll we'll say like a couple of hours so when i went uh, we went uh, most recently as two families we had so we had four kids between us and all four kids were keen on climbing on every conceivable statue playing hide and seek behind pillars as these are kids between 8 and 10 years of age at that point in time we spent more than 2 hours there by the way you know that um, this temple is actually called like a library as well because in the bottom panel of the entire temple you have a lot of inscriptions these inscriptions are ideally the entire story of rajaraja sora places he conquered gifts and donations he received you know all those kind of things which people would like to read and you know get to know about his story his history and all those things and like i said earlier i have like done a one small phd thesis on this entire you know sora stories and all of that and so many of the youtube videos that i actually saw had people who could read many of these inscriptions as well though the language is a really old version of sanskrit and tamil in some sections but you can still read parts of it it's so cool no so that the, the other temple the airatishwara temple the other part of the the three large one, yeah yeah so that has a lot of these inscriptions written but it's like a lot of lot of stories written on the sides and i find a lot of similarities between that and the structures in belur halibed 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 so the halibed structures the, the the scriptures look similar but oh. just to my that's just to my Uh, non-informative eye. Maybe it's like completely different, but that that's how I look. It, it, it didn't read Tamil to me, but yeah, probably the Tamil language script itself has changed over a period of time. Ayravatiyashu. That is the third Sora living temple, right? Yeah, we did one on the evening uh, and the other two the next morning, and then we drew out. So that's that's how we had structured. And we were living in Kumbakonam for a couple of days, and then we did Kumbakonam temple also, and then these two. and kumbakonam temple the interesting part is once you enter the temple complex you again see a lot of shops uh, in which also sells wares but also a lot of food shops which is where we had uh, a breakfast and dinner back there because it is really good authentic kumbakonam south indian food yeah just, what is authentic kumbakonam south indian food i mean the taste even though if, let's say if you just eating idli and sambar the the sambar itself will taste different so that Oh yeah, the other one you should try uh, if you go the route that I mentioned. So if you and if you start at Kanchipuram, then you should have the Kanchipuram idli, which mm. is that one wrapped in the leaf, and then you get the big one. So uh, we also got it in inside the temple itself. So it was a very different experience. But even if you don't get inside the temple because it might not be available when you go there, you should eat it from any of the nearby places which sell idli. That idli itself is different; it has pepper, and yeah, it tastes very different. Oh, oh, interesting. Because we were also talking about food when you travel. If you're traveling in the Tanjavur belt and in the Kumbakonam belt, uh, I am told I have no way to verify this. Uh, I am told that the paniyaram uh, that is made in Tanjavur is still pretty much the same recipe uh, that people have made over many centuries. I don't know if it is the same recipe that was made in the Sora era. That much I don't know. But paniyaram in Tanjavur is supposed to be the same. and the chakra pongal in um, any vishnu temple if you go they usually give you a chakra pongal which is why sarangapani temple has that that also is uh, something that is very authentic to these regions if you go there you should definitely try these two foods how is chakra pongal different from normal pongal 
normal pongal is called uh, ben pongal which is oh okay yeah made which is like salt oh uh, but chakra pongal is made with jaggery so it's a sweet version oh okay now uh, you know because you mentioned that uh, places of stay uh, may have expanded we stayed in two two on two different trips in uh, heritage properties in uh, in and around kumbakonam so for us also our place of stay has almost always been kumbakonam only we've actually never stayed in tanjavur so far every time we've gone to the periyakovel also the quality and the variety of heritage properties that are today available in kumbakonam are incredible you can in fact just go only to stay in that property and come back they are that good several of these are oh, oh, either entire villages which have been renovated or very la very old zamindars properties which have today been oh, renovated wow. to become uh, heritage properties and they can be quite pricey also so you find properties right up to a five star resort mark in india to a slightly more three four star level pricing also so we have a range of uh, staying options today Oh, that's I mean, wonderful! If you go to that extent, then in Tanjore itself, you have what is called a Swatma. That's one of the ah, ma, yeah, yeah, <laughs> coolest one that you can live in if you have the money to spend. That's where you should stay. It gives yeah. you a very different experience and so no, on. No, but I, we didn't go that that extent. I'm just saying for somebody yeah. who wants to, right? Even in the midpoint, we stayed in midpoint uh, price places. So, but the experience was incredible. So you're going to visit all these temples, and then you come back to a property. which more or less looks and feels like something that is at least 600 700 years ago you know those big yeah. houses with the sloping roofs with an open courtyard in the middle yeah. you get that you continue to sort of live in that era perhaps with the amenities and comforts of modern day bathrooms and things like that the best of both worlds kind yeah oh that's pretty cool so that was feria kovel but george while you were traveling which one did you do first and then which one came next while you were doing this tour we left late night from bangalore we mm. reached kanchipuram we did the entire kanchipuram mm. then we drove towards viranam lake and then we stayed that night there and then we drove again down to kumbakonam so the distances are far i mean i'm saying it's so close but the tamil nadu roads are just brilliant so we can cover cities really fast Yeah, so I think day three is when we reach Kumbakonam. So I think day three and four is where I did all these, or four okay. and five is when I did all these temples. The living, the living Chola temples. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Okay. So then the Periyakovel was definitely one of your super duper highlights. Yeah. So then between the Gangai Konda Swarupuram and the Ayravateshwar Temple, which was the first one built by the Beta and the second one built by the grandson, whom do not give me. Tumko kaun sa? ஒரு <laughs> 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 
do you get guides there like people who who walk you through tell you the stories and all of that english yeah, speaking you- english speaking yes you do get uh, you do get good guides you do get a lot of hist- history aware guides as well oh. but uh, it's the same hit and miss with any guides miss. anywhere so you, you really need to have someone who knows to convert the story into a fun way so that you remember the story later but yeah that's a that's a hit and miss so that you really yeah. can't do much yeah so they say for example uh, rajrada sora built the first one with the inspiration from your uh, kailas natak ha yeah. kailas so they say that uh, rajendra sora took an inspiration from the periyakovil and thus and then built the gangaikonda swarapuram temple so you do see similarities in the overall structure is that uh, true or how do you do you find it it is it is true but uh, again i'm not i'm not the right person to you know comparing it mm. in that that form of sense for me it's only periyakovil periyakovil Gangaikonda Sorapuram literally translates to a town where the Soras have brought the Ganges kinds. So Rajendra Sora wanted to bring the Ganga into South India, and uh, then built this Sora Gangam Lake, right? Some no, Gangai, no. Gangaikonda Sorapuram is not that he brought Ganga to South India. He's called Gangaikonda Soram because he was the first person to have expanded. the sora empire all the way up to the banks of the river ganges in the north so i read the story that he wanted to bring the ganga to gangaikonda sorapuram okay. and because he wanted to do that the entire route was conquered so the entire route from south all the way up to bengal side and all of that was conquered all the way en route and then he brought ganga from there into this particular lake in gangaikonda sorapuram and that's how the whole uh, story of why rajendra sora got the title of gangaikonda sora which literally means the sora who conquered the ganges so that lake is called ponneri lake so ponneri lake correct yeah, yeah the story pretty much seems yeah the the, the funda is really he got water from ganga and poured it here you know all the mythology part of it he hmm. wanted to bring that as that yeah so the whole story of very azimo shan shahanshah that type <laughs> see that's that's the point you know azimo shan shahanshah you don't know about this Arre, i don't know punyam <laughs> selvan songs man i can't sing them though i just love the music but i wish i knew the song but yeah that is true i have seen rithik roshan and azimo shan shahanshah way more number of times but there is no no hindi movie made except punyam selvan right? there's no other nothing not that i know of either No, I'm very sure there'll be some old Tamil movies, but Bollywood uh, mm. I highly doubt. And by that logic, there are some incredibly awesome kings even in the Chalukya dynasty or even in the Kalinga region. Kalinga, they're all great kings. Yeah, it's not like we've gone around making <laughs> movies about oh, yes. any of these people. Mm. The like Konak that. Temple and and the Puri yeah. and all that. Yeah. And this, the structure of the Konak Temple is supposed to be quite similar to the structure in the Ayravateshwar. Ayravateshwar Temple, yeah. Huh? Yeah, oh it's a very it's a it's like a chariot structure right so a chariot structure yeah. with all with the wheels so it's supposed to be very similar to konark temple apparently the wheels are also the sun dials yeah oh and they say that this temple was made even before the konark temple so this supposedly has the oldest ever chariot wheel sun dial thing oh that's an interesting fact mind blowing So then, how easy was traveling between all these places for you, uh, George? Very, very, very comfortable. 
very very comfortable the roads are good you get uh, good food everywhere you get good something in healthy food everywhere so you really <laughs> don't have to worry about food no worry about travel so it was very comfortable there is no as long as you have a car and and someone to drive it around you are extremely comfortable wonderful public transport though i didn't explore uh, but if you are doing public transport the public transport system is good uh, in the southern parts of it but you would still do a lot of hopping so you will have to get to the main bus stand and then from there again figure out your way and figure out your way so if you time if you have a lot of time on your hands you should do that because then you get a, a lot more flavor of how the locals behave and 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 so on but um, if you're crunch for time you have 6 days and you want to do a bunch of stuff i wouldn't recommend it is it easy for a north indian to go and do a, like a entire tour with public transport as well um i so won't you're saying generalize... you really mean someone who can't speak tamil no தமிழ்நாடுஸ்ட் Tamil Nadu as such does not have a lot of tourist culture for some reason they've never invested into it so it's very different from Rajasthan you go to Rajasthan that whole feeling is completely different they really want you there because i think that's how that drives their um, gsdp or whatever and similar with kerala you go to kerala you will find people being a lot more uh, come to my town come to my state spend your money because that drives our economy here tamil nadu is not like that you will not find that that hospitality but you would really find them if you open up and say that i want to go to the periyakovil you will find people oh you are coming from somewhere let me guide you yeah go here do this oh it's 2 o'clock maybe it's closed for entry they'll give you such tips at that point in time so you will find that coming but yeah the effort should be from you versus going to a tourist place that's, that's the difference i'd call out so broken english works absolutely works in tamil nadu english works in- <laughs> long as you start speaking in english or you know broken english then they would start helping okay after finishing periyakovil and the other chola temples um, was your next destination madurai or did you stop in between somewhere so uh, as a part of if you're going and truly as a part of these um onion selvan part of it then probably you would go like that and then you go for the south we had a detour towards karnatakatan uh, that is a chettinad area you wanted to stay in a Uh, a heritage place that sangeeta was referring to before so this is one of those old chettiar mansion houses converted into a new fancy hotel um so we spent a night there where uh, yeah it's like food of that area of that region and so on so you would not you would not get uh, the local feelings because outside it it's like a deserted ghost town there very few things that you can do uh that like uh, that i think can be a separate discussion podcasting in oh. itself the the entire chettiar angle um yeah it was just to give a glimpse the the place that we stayed the, it had these huge um pillars outside wooden pillars and i think it was rose wood and back then this chettiar who owned this house lugged those two um rose wood all the way from london so what yeah so how he did it is he he got onto the ship and he he put those two trees behind the ship and the ship came all the way to india i don't know where they docked but wherever and then it came here and then he created it and then this it's all so it's just crazy the kind of uh, where with these entire 
ुरी you know while you may i don't know what you can do after you reach a place which has a very beautiful beach yeah you can explore the beach certainly but it is not like the beaches of goa so after that if you twiddling your thumbs and figuring out what to do there's a very nice bird sanctuary also nearby for you to spend a part of the day and the lighthouse that features in the story for uh, people who've read the book you may have uh, read the word the kodikare kalangar vilak which means a lighthouse it's still there the lighthouse they are talking about uh, not the exact same lighthouse that is built in the sora era but you will find a lighthouse there uh, but you know at least you'll get that feeling of uh, probably meeting pungurali there and things like that it is also a place where you'll find a lot of mangroves so if you know when you think about it in the book this scene comes out uh, i don't remember if the movie captures it so when um, Pungurali saves Vandya Devan and Narumuri Varman, and you know when they have to bring them quietly without anybody's knowledge, she actually manages to guide her boat through the mangroves to reach that uh, monastery in Nagapattinam. So you can also find those mangroves, uh, and there are boatmen who will still take you around. Uh, not, not exactly the same routes as the book may have covered, but you can also explore that. Uh, again try and go only in the winter months it will be scorching hot <laughs> you try boating in the what's the name of the place again kodikarai kodikarai in english it's point kalimer it has the old chola lighthouse it also has i think there's something to do with the ramayana part of it so it's read up so this is the place where when rama was going towards sri lanka he had he had stopped by point kalimer beach Mangroves. If you really want to explore, you should go to Pichavaram. That's the other. Yeah, that's Pichavaram the is certainly there, but <laughs> yeah, I know. I understand. I understand why you connected it, but I'm just telling you, this is may or may not be like the best mangrove boat experience. But since it's in the same zone as you're coming from Kanchipuram down south, you can just stop by at Pichavaram for a for an afternoon and go take that boat. What about the uh, other very significant thing in the movie that Parayare and the Kadambur 
Palayaran Kadambur. Two mm. things I didn't explore. I think Kadambur is in ruins. Palayar, I don't even know where it is. So, I'm, I'm, I don't know. so every Ponin Selvan store definitely stops at Palayare at some point because it used to be the Chola capital before it moved to Tanjavur. And as per one of the old names that it had, it, it was known as the land of thousand temples. And as per records, the princess Kundavai used to live here in the palace at Pariyare. Yeah, absolutely. Pariyare was actually the scene where Vandya Devan meets Kundavai Devi the first time. I mean, and they fall in love. Like, ankhu he, ankhu me, and all that happens just in Pariyare itself. And then we get to see the large palace of Pariyare. Kadambur is also one of the main palaces of the Chora Empire. And Kadambur is a place where, you know, in the first part, we actually see Vandya Devan spying on the set of conspirators who are conspiring on who's going to be the next king. That entire scene is actually the Kadambur Palace. And now to think that the palaces of both Pariyare and Kadambur are in complete ruins, it's really sad. In fact, you know, Godly and me, we were, we were doing our research and we actually saw a couple of YouTube videos where uh, people have actually gone to these places. I don't know, George and Sangeeta, if you guys actually went looking for these, but apparently there are, these guys were very curious. They went to look for remnants of these uh, palaces and they could just see bricks. That's about it. And that too, they had to search and search and dig and dig and they found it few feet under the earth and they knew it were these kind of bricks because the bricks used in the Sora empire were a little longer in length and shorter in breadth and things like that. And that's how they found out that these were the bricks that were used for the palace construction. And now there's absolutely nothing there. because It's all stolen. It's taken away. And uh, it's in complete ruins. I mean, I wouldn't call it ruins. It's just not there at all. So it's really unfortunate. And it's so sad to hear about that because George was also mentioning like how a lot of tourists go visit the northern part of our country. Like Jaipur has so many palaces which are still standing so strong, right? And to hear that the like there's nothing to see about those palaces like we saw in the movie. It's, oh, it's kind of sad. Quite sad, yeah, yeah. But he can take a baki cheese be here. Uh, you guys should go to these places. You have a lot of temples, you know, land of thousand temples. There are many more still remaining. So go check them out. It's really nice. <laughs> right. Something that I was very fascinated uh, after I had read Pony and Selvan novel um, was, you know, what could have been the sources that the author Kalki himself uh, used. So from what I have read, I am not sure if this is comprehensive. Okay, so Kalki himself references a few things as source material for us to understand uh, the true history of the Soras. Uh, one of them that he keeps referring to are the copper plate inscriptions uh, that have been excavated in that era. So he refers to the Anbil copper plates and the Tiruvilangada copper plates uh, in the book, if you've read them. So these copper plates were very important sources of information for any archaeologist and historian, uh, most certainly somebody like Kalki who must have you know, tried finding out what could have been the real story around which he could have created a fictional novel like Pony in Selvan. The Tiruvilangada copper plates, they are 31 in number and the first bunch of copper plates were written in Sanskrit. Uh, which will start with, you know, paying uh, some kind of homage to a deity or a god, which will be followed by a description of the genealogy of the king. So the Tiruvilangada copper plates were issued by Rajendra Sodran, 
so he would have gone on to describe who his father was a grandfather was an uncle was and all of that so we know who ruled after whom and the source for that is this tirubilangadu copper plates and the subsequent part of the, the copper plates then they jump into tamil as a language where they talk about everything we want to understand about how governance must have happened in that era these copper plates become a very important source of information for any historians i think interesting for us to know that if somebody wanted to see these copper plates today as part of your ponin selvan tour you could go to um there is a leiden in europe which is where most of the tiruvilangadu copper plates today sit so leiden is in netherlands so in fact some some people even refer to them as the leiden plates that is one place you can go to apparently there are five copper plates with rajendra sora seal that you can find in the government museum in chennai a seal of you know rajendra sora's empire with the tiger and if you see the movie you'll remember the scenes where there are those huge warships with the tiger you know as a face on their flags you'll find a similar tiger uh, as an inscription on the seal uh, you can find it in the government museum sangeeta as you were talking i just went up on google and just checked out images of these copper plates and the seal that you were talking about they look really really cool so listeners definitely go and check out pictures of these tiruvallangadu copper plates and the seal and all of that we link up everything in our blog i'm sure you'll love them so there has been an excavation at the site near madurai so if you are near madurai you can definitely check this out there's this museum called kiradi or kiladi which has a lot of pallava ruins to it and if that's not all it's an excavation site you can actually visit that excavation site to see how ruins are discovered or like artifacts are discovered So, if you're near Madurai, I would recommend maybe visit this place once. Very nice. While we are talking about ruins, I think there's a, unfortunately even that Buddhist monastery, the Chudamani hmm. Viharam, that comes uh, as reference in the book. Uh, if you did go to Nagapattinam, you probably will only end up seeing ruins of even that Buddhist monastery. Unfortunately, I don't think that monastery exists as a monastery any longer. it hey, tell me something you know from the book from all the touring around all these temples and all that how much of this vandya devan character do you actually get to know more about like he is the main dude in the entire uh, movie right from my very limited understanding of uh, when kalki was doing his research about uh, the for the sake of the book and kalki was one of those who definitely did a reasonable amount of research even to find out about this character called vandya devan mm. who is hardly a very well documented character in the annals of history i think there is exactly one or two sentences in the tanjavur temple where there is an inscription mm. where they do mention that pallavarayar uh, vandya devan was the um, his wife was the great uh, kundavai uh, devi and she was a consort so he pretty much used couple of lines there as his source material and built this giant of a character who's captured the imagination my of the hero of people yeah for the, for the yeah. movie he was he's my number one hero so oh, in the movie even in the books he he is the protagonist yeah. through whose eyes we see the events unfolding my god such a well researched book you know at the end of all these travel podcast recordings i get fomo ki mujhe wo jagah jana hai now at the end of this i'm also getting the fomo ki book bhi padhna hai my goodness 
so kalki also published uh, a travelog after he had visited lanka he supposed to have made three trips to lanka to understand what life was like what the terrain is like so the uh, he uh, he speaks about what it was like to meet people then uh, who are uh, who are tamilians who had moved out of tamil nadu to work in the plantations but beyond that he only talks about how there are large forest lands i mean the way he describes candian colombo then uh, and i had visited candian colombo i think about 4 5 years ago i don't think there's a lot of connection so mm-hmm. as part of your pony in selvan tours if you really did want to go to uh, visit yeah. parts of selon you may have to go to areas in northern uh, Uh, hmm. Sri Lanka, which are substantially forested regions, and hmm. I'm not very sure how safe that is today. Okay, well, that's also pretty much whitewashed now. Uh, the yeah. northern, northern, and the eastern part of it. Though I really want to visit it sometime, but it, you have very few things from the past, which is still continuing today. So yeah, that's you just you just see it because you have to. You need a closure of that part. <laughs> I don't think it would be as as what we want it to be. Like yeah. Very nice. Even Cholas themselves plundered the entire part. So the northern and the eastern Sri, uh, Sri Lanka. When the Cholas came in, they dis- destroyed, destructed that entire zone. They made it more Chola-like, and then they were ruling there. And then these guys got independence from Chola after you know after now four centuries, centuries, and so on. So there, there's like a lot of things that have changed over a period of time. So whatever we imagine about Punian Seven is not there uh, even during Chola time. And now we are talking about A thousand years after that, so yeah, it is. It's very, very different. Oh, you're talking of like the generations after itself. Uh, yeah. The, oh. Yeah. Okay. So the, uh, they refer to this place called Anuradhapura, which has multiple different kinds of ruins. I think that itself is, I think, from a different generation than the Chola or or before. And the you Chola then. It's a different says, place altogether. No, no. What I mean is that it has undergone so many changes, changes that what so. we see now is not even what is there in Chola, which itself is not there from the erstwhile. Lanka, Elanthi, or whatever. So it has undergone changes multiple times. So what we see now is—I I don't know which generation it is now. Which place's name you said this is? Anuradhapura. Oh, nice, very nice, cool. Uh, George, anything else that you would like to add on from your experiences of going around? Oh no, yeah, I think I think most of the things that I wanted to throw in, I've, I've pushed it out. I don't think there's anything that I've missed or I can recollect. I am pretty sure if I if uh, once Arti hears this, she will. I know she'll say, "Oh my God, don't you right. say that? Why did you miss this?" Yeah, she'll have she'll have a different thing. You can add, you can put an addendum at the end saying that here are the five things that that we didn't cover, and here it is. <laughs> and Sagita, we know that you've been to this this entire region so many so many times. So, मुझे कुछ ना some हटके वाले suggestions of where we can go, where our listeners can go and experience something new, fresh, and things like that. So, Pony and Silvan. tour if one were to undertake one of the most amazing things about the tour would be you would get to see monuments that are more than a thousand years old uh, but the unfortunate thing is that there are many places uh, which feature in the story which don't exist today and by and large these are the palaces that uh, you know feature in the story whether it is the kadambur palace or the Tanjavur Palace, where so many interesting events uh, take place. Unfortunately, these have been destroyed by the uh, armies of the subsequent dynasties that uh, came following the Sora era. But still, there are many 
places that are very interesting for us to visit for their natural beauty, uh, which we can add to, you know, as part of doing a tour like this. Because usually you're not going to visit the same place twice over with two different perspectives. You're not going to go all the way to a place like Nagapatnam or Kodikare once because I want to uh, visit places that feature in the story. Mm -hmm. So might as well combine a few things together. So if you keep that in perspective, um, in today's day and age, one way to maybe do this tour is if you were to travel from Chennai, you could go to Mahabalipuram, which is a very quick stop. And from there, um, you could go to the Viranam Lake. And uh, from there, another half an hour is the Gangri Kondasorapuram, uh, which is today a very tiny village. But about thousand years ago, it was the seat of one of the most powerful empires of South India. So Rajendra Soran uh, established his capital in Gangri Kondasorapuram. It is a UNESCO World Heritage Center. You uh, can see a very beautiful temple there, like George had mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And um, from there, you could go to the Tanjavur Temple, uh, which is about a 90-minute drive from Gangai Kondasorapuram. And from there, um, so you could visit the Kiradi Museum and the archaeological site. And from there is the Kodi Karai. And from there, you could visit uh, Nagapattinam, but you will see nothing of the Buddha monastery, unfortunately. Uh, but speaking of the source of this, it is mentioned in one of the copper plates that, you know, one of the Sora kings had uh, donated to build this uh, Buddha Viharam in Nagapattinam. So again, that is uh, well recorded in history and unfortunately doesn't exist today. It's substantially in ruins. Um, you could take a boat ride along the mangroves near Kodikarai. It's not the Sundar ones, but it's still a mangrove boat ride. I'm sure any of us would like to. This, this is a kind of a trip where you can see multiple different things, right? You're seeing some beautiful temples, a dam. You'll get to see a bird sanctuary, an archaeological dig. And you, in most of these places, you will also get to savour some reasonably authentic food. This is a trip where you can really try the native paniyaram and uh, chakrapunga that I was talking about and it will be a delight for multiple senses in that sense. In fact, the chakrapunga and the curd rice I was talking about in Sarangapani temple is something that you can get as part of Prashad. So, you don't have to <laughs> from it at all. <laughs> Everything you have to do in December, Jan, December. And that, that is the best time to go other parts of the country. Also. Also, so, so, yeah, so it's Correct. difficult. You'll have to bear the heat and go one time, but I'll... I will die. All righty. Thank you so much for your time. This was awesome, George. So uh, there's one last you know question I'd like to ask you. In my style of travel, I usually like to have a one day do nothing day. Well, you don't have an agenda. So in your do nothing day, if that is your style of travel as well, which I kind of know it is, but uh, for our listeners, how do you spend your do nothing day? Got it. I, I mean, for, for listeners who, who travel or who like to travel, but have never put in this do nothing day, I highly, highly recommend you start doing it. You should have a one day or one day in your favorite city, just have a day which you do not have an agenda, but 
what I mean is that you do not have, you know, morning I'll visit a, a gallery and the evening I'm going to go for this pub or nothing like that. You just, that, that 12 hours or eight hours is just left open. So that's, that's context for you. One of the big things that I would always do when I go outside of my hometown or my own city to find out how the locals live their life, what do they do? What, how is it? And how is, especially, is it different from how I live my life? Maybe it's the same. And if it's the same, then I, I change my tack. But if it is not, then I would like to do what they do. So which means that I might get into a cab or something and then ask the driver, where do you eat your breakfast? Like, tell me a place where you like to go for your breakfast. It might, if it's in India, let's say they, they have a, their favorite paratha shop or a chole bhature shop, which they know and not many of the travelers might know. It's not that you know, famous blog list. And then you go there, you eat that, and then you see if you can start up a conversation with someone there, and then you pick the trail, and then you go to the next and the next and the next. That's one way that I would love to do. The second could be find out if that city has something to do with sports. It could be any sport, right? It needn't be the one that I follow. And then if if there's a match scheduled on any of those days, then I try to book my day, free day there, so that I can go, even if I'm not able to attend the match, or there would be... Uh, fun festivities around that stadium, around that place of the arena, go and talk to them, have a chat with the fans, absorb that vibe. Uh, third is if you're in a student town, then that is really good, especially if it's on a Friday or a Saturday evening, you just go there and then you can just do people watching the entire evening uh, and, and the amount of things that you can learn and absorb from their culture. So that's two different ones. One is the culture of this current generation and then second is the culture of the student population in that city. That's, again, something that you would learn a lot just by sitting and watching and drinking a cup of coffee. Yeah, some of the things that I'd like to do in my do nothing day. Oh, I love people watching. It's so fun. (laughs) I love people watching for my sketches. I have to admit that. If not on my vacations or do nothing days, but there are times when I would randomly pick my sketchbook, go sit at at the beach or at a cafe just to watch people and sketch them. So while I'm on a vacation, sometimes I like to listen to podcasts other than listening to music, of course. Sangeeta, since you are one of our favorite podcasters, and I know that you also love listening to podcasts. So would you share some of your favorite podcasts that you highly, highly recommend? And also please talk about What's New Today, the kids podcast that you host. Podcasts, I'm a bit of a boring podcast consumer. While I do consume a lot of podcasts, mine is mostly information-based. So um, my morning begins with BBC and then I move on to a line of podcasts which are all about business and financial news. Um, I listen to during the course of the day whenever I'm driving or when I'm, if I'm in the kitchen or if I'm gardening. Apart from these, one of my great favorites amongst podcasts is uh, the podcast called Stuff You Should Know, uh, which is not about any one particular genre. So they take any topic under the sun and they discuss. And I really enjoy listening to that one podcast. It's one of my favorites. (laughs) Oh, this is a new one. I haven't heard about this podcast before. For example, take a topic like slime molds. It sounds very obscure, right? But Slime molds were supposed to have been the basis on which the entire metro system of Tokyo was modeled. Uh, So I don't know if you're shocked hearing that. I recall hearing on an episode about slime molds that researchers, they grew some slime molds on a Petri dish and they placed all the nutrients that the slime molds needs to feed itself 
on, on the petri dish and the location of the nutrients resembles the population centers of Tokyo. So when they let the slime mold grow on the petri dish, the shape it took to reach all the nutrients on the petri dish, that shape was used as the basis on which the Tokyo's metro system was designed because that shape was found to be the most optimal both in terms of time taken to reach all the population centers and the least cost involved. I'm going to head straight and check out this particular podcast. I know that I saved it because thanks to your recommendation, but I need to check out this episode, especially since it's also about Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> While you're on the topic of podcasts, I do suggest that you should check out the kids podcast that I host, which is called What's <laughs> New Today. But yeah, uh, for those of our listeners, I will shamelessly uh, speak about the podcast I host and promote it in the hope that some of you might find it very interesting. So I host a podcast called What's New Today and in which I chat with children and I get their perspectives on what they think about the current events in the real world, which could be anything about the Ukraine war or it could be about a Marvel movie. The most incredible thing is the perspectives that children can come up with can be so bizarre and so different from what you and I think is correct. They will have no compunctions in being politically incorrect also. They'll be absolutely honest with their opinions and views. So for those podcast listeners who are heavy duty podcast listeners uh, or who get a lot of your information about what's going on in the real world, from traditional hosts, this might be an excellent way for you to get a grounded view of what today's children think about the world that you and I create. So you will 100% get five laughs uh, in, in a span of five to 10 minutes. Our episodes are really short. I keep it quick and quirky. So while you're at it, you should definitely check out what's new today also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google, or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Yes. Even though I'm a full-fledged adult, I have to admit that I love what's new today, especially the unconventional way how you bring up new facts, wildlife stories, jokes, trivias, and of course, how different children have different perspectives on the weirdest news that I've ever seen. So I'm an avid podcast listener as well, and I really enjoyed your recommendations, Sangeeta. I have heard what's new today before. It's a fabulous podcast. So for our listeners, we'll link up all of these in our show notes and in our blog. So definitely go and check them out. Well, guys, this has been great fun. I really enjoyed hearing all your fun day on uh, the entire Pony and Selvan Trail. In fact, researching for this episode also was great fun. You know, I've always loved reading about such historical saga. I think I've done a mini PhD. I'll have to go and do the whole trail myself to actually make my PhD theoretical thesis into something practical, practical kinds. So thank you so much, guys. This was amazing, awesome fun. Thank you, guys. It was absolutely awesome chatting with all of you. Uh, I had an opportunity to reminisce many parts of my travels to these places of, uh, you know, historical prominence over many, many years of childhood. I think as we were recording today and when I got an opportunity to share some of these stories uh, you know all those childhood memories have come right back flashing into my head so cute <laughs> okay 
So for our listeners, for all the detailed itinerary, the pictures for your references, and a lot of secret tidbits, the entire detailed things are in our blog. The sneaky footprints, link of which is in our description below. Thank you. Okay, bye. Thank you so much for having us. <laughs> thank you so much, then, guys. See you then. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. See you. Bye bye. Bye. So, in case you're still wondering, we are Misadventures of a Sneaker, a travel podcast where our sneakers take you everywhere, from breathtaking landscapes to quirky roadside attractions. Yo, do follow our Instagram page, Misadventures of a Sneaker. You know, we put lots of things there: recommendations, photographs, stories, experiences, and a lot more. And you can also drop us a DM there. There's a lot of your suggestions, places that you want our sneakers to take you next, and lots more. All details are in our show notes. And do not forget to give us a five-star rating on Spotify. We'd be thrilled to see you on our next adventure. Aha! Uh-huh. You mean misadventure? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hope to see you on our next misadventure. Our sneakers will take you on the next misadventure. So see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye.